Hello and welcome to the Book Bat Podcast, where we help you navigate and explore the world of Christian fantasy books. Christian fantasy books? I thought it was Christian fantasy. Yeah, originally we did say it was supposed to be books. We can get more vague. Oh, well, we I guess just it... talk about fantasy in general. So yeah, I guess, it, but it is called the Book Bat Podcast. So at yeah. some point, we should talk about books. Yeah, fine, 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 fine. Anyway, I am a co-host, Jason. And I am another co-host, Carlissa J. You're being unnecessarily salty. (laughs) This is our second episode in our mature content series. Uh, Feel free to go back and listen to episode one if you haven't yet to get an idea of what we're discussing and why. This episode, we're going to dive deeper into the topic of maturity in Christian fantasy by addressing the question, does maturity have a place in Christian fantasy? You want the short answer? (laughs) No, <laughs> we want the long answer. <laughs> but the short answer would be so short and punchy. Then we can make this like a TikTok video. <laughs> so in preparation for this, and in, in part because Carissa kind of yelled at me at a lack of preparation or involvement or something like that, I don't know. I looked at Christian fantasy as a whole, and I noticed a very disturbing pattern. That's right, sweetie. It was disturbing. Dun, dun, dun. And that is... Are you ready for it? Kate, okay, brace for yourself for it. Kate, you will never see this coming. But when I say it, you'll be like, wow, how have I not noticed this in all my many years of existence? All six of them. Christian fantasy is aimed almost exclusively at the youth slash young adult audience. So essentially from... Well, we'll be really loose and say 10 to 20. That's about the age range you're looking at. And growing up, um, I was inundated with uh, Wayne Thomas Batson's novels, specifically his Door Within trilogy, and his two pirate stories, The Isle of Swords and The Isle of Fire, and other common Christian fantasy books that I read was um, by Brian Davis. I don't know why he was so popular at the time, but you know he was, whatever. Specifically, the series at the time that was being pushed was his Dragons in Our Midst series. And to get more recent, okay, to be perfectly honest, both Carlos and I had taken a very long step away from Christian fantasy, or at least what was in the general consciousness for it. But then everyone kept raving, like I'm talking raving about Andrew Peterson's Wingfeather Saga. Wow, like we can get into how much it was hyped and still is hyped today. And just, yeah, thinking about all those books, um, I've read those Thomas Batson books that I mentioned, not some of those other ones. And I read, I think it was like the first three, three and a half books of the Dragons in Our Midst series, somewhere around there. I think it was book three, it jumped the shark and I was just like, all right, that's it, I'm out. And the Wingfeather Saga. You oh, haven't read it, have you? No, I didn't read it, but I read the last like five chapters of the last book because I, yeah. frankly, you were kind of giving me a play by play as to how the story was going. So I was kind of like, okay, I'm not going to read the first few novels. I'm just going to skip forward to the end because, you know, it's a cohesive series. It's not like something like um, the Chronicles of Narnia where you read the end of the last battle. That's not going to give you at all an idea of what's happened, just because that's not how that series was written. Anywho, 
So thinking about all the themes and tones in these series, yeah, it's brought to mind the main, a very well central question of, is there even room in Christian fantasy for more somber and mature stories? The one thing that's made this stand out all the more is um, I've been at least somewhat involved in Carlos's writing and publishing of all of her novels. But for this purpose, we'll specifically focus on her Tales of the Diversity trilogy, um, rereading Tolkien's stories, specifically one that I hadn't read before in The Children of Hurin, and just listening to you, Carlos, to talk about some of some lesser-known novels written by well-known names like C.S. Lewis's Till We Have Faces. And it's become clear to me that, okay, fantasy, even Christian fantasy, is capable of dealing with difficult topics. These are topics that don't always have to have a happy ending or have everything all nicely wrapped up at the end. And one thing that, (laughs) in following some leaders in Christian media or people who try to lead Christian media, like the folks that focus on the family, among others, one thing that they tend to always highlight is conversation starters for younger audiences. And for myself, the most interesting and in-depth conversation starters have come from things that don't have a clear-cut answer because if they had a clear-cut answer then why would there be a discussion for myself uh, my family actually had an extended conversation with me about the character Jer in the Tales of the Diversity series in part because for the first two books we're more or less led to believe he's more just a like a semi-wacky maybe semi-possibly insane person and then in the third book it's kind of just dropped seemingly out of nowhere that, hold on, he potentially at least has a mental illness that goes all the way back to his childhood that is not clearly diagnosed and there's no indication that, oh, at some point he's going to get over it or whatever and there's going to be a happy ending for him or the others that have been involved or affected by it. And another example would be in Tolkien's The Children of Hurin where... One thing that stood out to me was that, and to be clear, Tolkien almost always focuses on this theme in most of his stories, but in The Children of Huron specifically, pride is the key to everything about the protagonist. Everything he does is fueled by pride. Every great thing he accomplishes is based on his pride in himself and his abilities and his own drive, and then every single one of his failures, including his ultimate downfall at the end, is again on the same thing. And it's just something where, with these as examples, and Carlos has several examples from C.S. Lewis's Tilia Faces as further ones, but I won't mention them because I haven't read it myself, so I can't do it justice. But, yeah, you know, I've wondered, hold on, so there is room in fantasy for difficult topics to be discussed, to be explored. And I'm sure there are other Christian fantasy novels out there currently that are being published that do deal with difficult topics that don't always fall into the trap of always giving that happy 
ending that we seem to either crave or Disney has convinced us that we need. I don't know which came first, but a lot of these stories I'm guessing don't, or I found, don't get much attention for various reasons. And it's like, I could tell you a main reason why Carlos's books haven't gotten a lot of attention is more of a marketing issue on our part than anything else, which whatever, neither here nor there, that is what it is. But yeah, you look at your local Christian fantasy section at Christian bookstore, and I would bet probably just about all the money I have that the bulk, if not the entirety of the selection available, will all avoid dealing with difficult situations or issues that don't have a nice, clean-cut, happy answer. So there are a few things we will discuss, maybe not too much length, we'll see how long we go, about why these types of stories don't seem to get as much attention. All right, and the first one is, are we dealing with stereotypes here? Like, as much as, you know, people tend to clamor and rail against stereotypes, saying, oh, that's such a lazy way of doing it, yada yada. The fact of the matter is, is that the stereotypes are the ones that tend to get the most attention. Positive or negative, we all know they exist. And I wonder is there an expectation that fantasy is only for kids and young teens and, you know, the modern Christian fantasy, therefore, is aimed almost exclusively at these age groups? I'm curious as to how things have kind of divided between Christian fantasy versus mainstream, where you have one of the most popular book series uh, for mainstream fantasy has been... Game of Thrones, which is definitely, from what I understand, more mature. So since that fantasy can be used in mature storytelling there, but it seems like Christian, the Christian market still focusing on fantasy as kids stories to the point where people don't even know C.S. Lewis's more adult fantasy books. Well, heck, most people don't even know that he has a what's it called a cos the cosmic trilogy or whatever mm-hmm. and upon reading the first book of that series uh into the silent planet i think it's called out of the silent planet whatever <laughs> it involves the silent planet one thing that immediately took me by surprise was okay this is not aimed at a younger audience you know i think a lot of christians have been primed to think that c.s lewis either wrote about theology or he wrote kids novels well kids stories for whatever reason his cosmic trilogy and his other works have slipped through the cracks and most people don't even recognize that he has written these and that much less what they're about Uh. yeah that was actually i found it interesting the c.s lewis podcast did a series on the space or on the cosmic trilogy i think they called it the space trilogy Whatever. apparently some people call it the ransom trilogy well, anyway <laughs> the main character's name is ransom so you yeah. know there's that uh, and that's one thing they brought up early on for out of the silent planet was wondering if maybe it hasn't caught on because it is for an older audience and people who are expecting narnia kind of thing when they step into it will be like uh that's not what i'm getting here that sounds like the kind of reaction we've gotten when we've tried to introduce people to the web series ruby which is kind of a hybrid between anime and western animation i think erroneously we told we told a lot of people that we've tried to introduce the series to that it's animated and they automatically think oh it's like disney or pixar and no this is 
Ruby's nothing like that from a visual standpoint or a story standpoint. And I know that's turned some people off. And also, admittedly, some of this just comes down to the fluke of what lasts and what gets attention in the entertainment industry because it's so hard to really predict what will become popular or whatever at any given moment but yeah for whatever reason the books that we've come to expect are the standard for christian fantasy are an all ages audience crowd which translates Mm -hmm. as youth slash young adults yeah i found that interesting when i took my books to the local christian bookstore one thing she did bring up was uh, she just wanted to make sure there was no excessive, very mature content or violent stuff or anything like that because she pointed out it is probably going to be youth who first look at these books. Well, and that's the other thing is that I do wonder if for a lot of Christian audiences, you know, the parents are kind of like, oh, it's at the Christian bookstore. It's by a Christian publisher, Christian author or whatever. So I almost wonder if they don't want it. Parents, for the most part, don't want to have to go through this stuff with their kids. They want it to be a risk-free thing where their kids can absorb it, and we as the parents don't have to get involved. You don't even have to acknowledge it exists. It distracts our kids, so we don't have to deal with them for a few hours. Maybe. Uh, I guess we'll move on to the next one. Uh, so there seems to be an obsession in Western evangelicalism on being positive. You can find this reflected in our worship songs, especially the more modern ones, the movies that have been put out, and even fantasy novels. And the truth of the matter is is that there's a lot of things in life that don't fit into that. Mental health is a big one, and nuanced struggles that aren't black and white is another one because, you know, if it's nuanced, then you can't just give a straightforward here's the problem here's the answer boom move on to the next issue so the question is are we over focused on inspiration and positivity and could that be playing a role in keeping quote-unquote darker fantasy novels from being accepted by christians and i guess i should clarify what is being asked here is not darker inherently because of you know tone or you know things like graphic violence or sexual content or whatever or have you what i'm asking here is i guess the better way to phrase it would be are these factors of focusing on inspiration and positivity playing a role in keeping difficult fantasy novels from being accepted because that's really the more of the focus here. It's not inherently things that this culture and us by extension have accepted as mature content it's probably a better way to put it would be difficult content Mm -hmm. things that don't have a black and white answer things that we can't just shrug off and go and it doesn't matter because speaking from personal experience both for myself and other people i've been involved with i can not deny the reality of the difficulty of mental health and different mental struggles i used to have a mentality of oh the person's just gotta grit their way through it and it's like One, that's not the most healthy way to go about it. And two, for most people, that's not even a viable option, even in the short term. So anyway, this is the part where you give me feedback. (laughs) Sorry, I have a lot of different thoughts bouncing around in my head. Then Um, let's start with one and go from there. Yeah, I think it's the Zaleski's book, 
I'm trying to remember their first names, Carol and her husband. <laughs> Zelensky? Zelensky. Um, oh, okay. The... Whatever. It starts with a Z. That's easy to remember. Yeah. It's their book about the, the lives of the Inklings. There. Their book about the Inklings. Where they describe, they say that for some readers, Till We Have Faces is pretty hard to get into because the tone is very dark. Maybe more than what a lot of readers are used to. I didn't think it was that dark the first time I read it. It was like, I thought this is this is just a good story. Uh, second time reading it through, it was like, okay, I can see I can see where they're coming from. And it does have much more of a somber tone to it overall. And yeah, I guess that's not the type of story a lot of Christians are used to. I have, I'm part of a writer's group and we get new blog posts every so often from others in the writer's group. It feels like sometimes I feel like maybe I'm just too much of a goth deep inside me. <laughs> <laughs> and you've dragged me into it. So you're telling me my co-worker's husband, I mean, my co-worker's wife was right that whole time when she just took one look at you and labeled you as goth. Yeah, I've had a I've had a couple people do that in oh, my really? life. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> okay, I was only aware of the one. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I should just own it. Yes, I married a goth woman. Yeah. Our high school trip to Europe was the goth girl that I hung out with. <laughs> Wait, you hung out with a goth girl? Yeah. And then you became associated with goth because of that? Oh, I don't know if that was the case. It was just she was an easy person to talk to and stuff and hang out with. So anyway. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Um, but it feels like in this writer's group, a lot of the blog posts are about how to be inspiring and how to maintain your inspiration in your writing. And it's like, how many posts do we need about, how many times do we need to be reminded about how to be inspiring and how to inspire people? Is there some point where we need to talk more about how do we challenge people? Um, how do we explore difficult things? I don't think the Bible gives us a picture of, like, to me, the Bible is kind of a standard for how do you write as a Christian to teach us a lot about how God tells stories. <laughs> and <laughs> Hey, I actually kind of, and for me, Carlissa, that's not, you say that. And I think a lot of people just immediately just think, oh, you're just talking about Jesus's parables. And to me, that is. Jesus's parables are actually more complex than you would think. That is. Listen to the Bible Project series on parables. Well, I, and I would believe that. I can believe that. But to me, there's also a lot more to it. Because one thing, and this is a reason why I've really gotten more into the TV show format than movies, is because in a TV show, you can, or in a long running series like comic books, you can delve more into a character and what they're feeling and the nuance and all that stuff. Whereas, you know, a movie or a single novel, you are limited in what you can do on that front. And I've latched onto the Psalms a lot, but the I guess the books of wisdom in the Old Testament and Lamentations, because to me, those focus on something that a lot of Christians don't tend to focus on when they read the Bible. And that is emotion, like real people emotions here. And not even just that, but God's emotions too. Like, well, you know, point one, it would be the Psalms. The fact that, you know, a good chunk of the Psalms, like I've heard a number tossed to like a third of them or something like that are either lament or complaint or whatever like good chunk of the psalms which was you know the jews and the early churches worship manual essentially weren't happy you know oh how he loves us type songs here 
And, you know, the book of Job has rapidly become one of my favorite books of the whole Bible because it's difficult. It grapples with a lot of heavy stuff and there's no answer at the end of it. No. There's absolutely no answer to it. That's Whereas one of the the things that um, has stood to me in reading Christian fantasy and hearing others talk about Christian fantasy is they've put an emphasis on providing an answer to the why. You know, why is this happening? Why is that happening? You have to justify why the bad guys weren't killed or why they were killed or whatever, or why the good guys maybe didn't get what they wanted or whatever. You have to justify this, that, or the other thing. And at the end of the book of Job, after all this stuff's happened to Job and... Heck, even later after God restores everything to him and then some, never once does God justify what he did. Never once. The closest he ever got to it was challenging Job and saying, okay, man, you're going to question me and how I do things. Okay, you essentially pop quiz. You do any one of these things and I'll give you a reason. I'll tell you the why or whatever. Mm -hmm. Job accurately and i'm guessing pretty quickly realized oh shoot i'm in way over my head i can't answer any of this and god never gives him an answer then mm-hmm. and because that's... we can't force an answer out of god for why things happen or why they don't happen yeah and that's a very poignant part of the book because the audience is told why these things happen to job at the beginning of the story with the courtroom scene in heaven yeah. Yeah, I guess. But even so, that is kind of lacking. Like, it's we a little... want justification as to why God allowed Satan to do this stuff. But, you know, God never, whether even to us as the audience, never a lot. Well, we know that it's a test to see, will Job still be faithful to God even if God doesn't bless him? Or are people just faithful? Kind of a overarching, are humans only faithful to God mm. because God blesses them? Would humans actually love and be faithful to God even if he didn't bless them? An interesting question for a lot of us in the successful West, I'll tell you that. But, yeah, God could have just told him what happened in the beginning of the book. That is true. And very intentionally, that doesn't happen. Anyway, yeah, so that the Bible just seems to show to me that we can do more types of stories than the positive types and still be honoring to God and how we explore difficult things and even when we can't come to answers still being able to bring our questions to him Mm. i don't know i i guess that's one of the things that has really grinded my gears against a lot of christian fantasy is the fact that it kind of feels a need to justify everything you know justify why good things happen to bad people why bad things happen to good people and just justify everything and it's kind of like no life doesn't always work that way we don't always get that justification and i'm not convinced that we always do need it like sometimes there's a lot more power in leaving it open and just going you know what this is what it is and yeah there may be a lot of different reasons that that could be as to why but maybe it's more powerful to force in the case of a novel, the reader to think and struggle through this on their own terms. Maybe they won't come to the answer that the author maybe intended, but then again, if you really wanted to, you could interpret a lot of stuff in ways that the creator did not intend. So, Well, there is the question of, will we stay faithful to God and trust in him even when he doesn't give us answers? 
which I think is something our culture really struggles with is we want answers to everything and we want to make sure we know which side of an issue we're on and where yeah. opinions are. It's like we need to have all this stuff figured out. Very black and white. Whereas I don't think that's an expectation God has of us. I think he expects faithfulness and trust even when he doesn't make things clear. And I think he's more able to make peace with our unclarity than we are. <laughs> what he knows surprised we're me. only mortals. <laughs> yeah. I th- Something that we're not able to admit to ourselves a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I kind of get that impression. God's okay with the fact that we're... Well, maybe not okay is the right word, but he's willing to work with the fact that we're mortals and we're finite beings and the ones who tend to have problems with that is us. Mm-hmm. That is it for this one. You can follow us at book-bat.com and you can follow Carlissa on Facebook because I have stayed away from it. I was smart and got out. Carlissa is just tougher than I am. And yeah, be sure to leave a comment, like, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, you know, leave a rating on Apple Podcasts and, you know, maybe recommend it to, you know, friends, family, enemies, acquaintances. (laughs) (laughs) Just not your dogs. Your dog's not going to care. And hopefully we will see you on the next one. Toodles. Bye.